Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. The Bible reveals that prayer is powerful, that prayer brings about a change, that prayer causes one who is outside of God's will to be brought into the heart of the purposes of God. So one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is this, am I really committed to God's will, his purposes? If you are, prayer will be the foundation of your life. Through prayer, you'll make decisions. Through prayers, you'll find God's provision so that you can serve him effectively. But if you're not interested in God's will, that you're about your desires, your wants, your purposes, your plans, then prayer is going to be something that you do infrequently. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 61. The book of Psalms and Psalm 61. Once again, in this Psalm, we find that David is the author. We don't know much about what was going on in David's life when he wrote this down. But David trusted in God. And again, trust in God will manifest itself out in a very committed prayer life. Well, let's begin. Look with me to that Psalm, Psalm 61 and verse 1. The first verse in the Hebrew text is that inscription. And we read here, to the chief musician or to the choir director, however your Bibles may render that, it's speaking about a leader for worship, using this psalm and other psalms for praising God, worshiping Him, understanding Him in a growing manner. Worship leads us to understand God better. So to the chief musician, upon, and then we have the word, Nigilat, which means a melody. It is a, a plane of some instrument. And most will translate this upon some musical instrument. It's a very generic word for that which can produce music. We're not told what instrument, but a general one. And then we're said or we're told that this is by David. Once again, he's the author. Of this psalm and notice what he says let's move on to the next verse he says shim'a elohim rinati shim'a he's asking god to hear now this word for hear implies a response david is not praying so god simply knows something god knows all things he's praying so that he will hear and respond and this word implies hearing and a response in light of the character, the goodness, the kindness, and the holiness of God and his purposes. 
So David says, Hear, O God, my shout. This is a word that speaks about getting attention. David wants God to focus upon his situation. And prayer does just that. Through prayer, God, he who is all-wise, all-powerful, all-knowing, but through prayer, God pays a greater attention to us because that's a spiritual law. Prayer brings God into our circumstances. That's why prayer is so important. Then he says simply, listen. And this is a word, a general word for listening. And he says, listen, my prayer. It implies listen to my prayer. Now, the question that each of us need to answer when we pray, are we praying in an effective way? Are we committed to the things of God? Do we want God to move in our life so that his character is manifested through us and his purposes are fulfilled through us? That's the foundation of a prayer that's going to be answered by God, a prayer that's going to make a difference, a prayer that is going to receive power and provision within that person who's, who's requesting. Notice the next verse, verse 3 in the Hebrew text where it says, from the ends of the earth now what that means is david is saying it doesn't matter my position we could understand it it doesn't matter my circumstances whatever's going on in my life david says unto you i will cry and this is a word of calling out proclaiming not weeping but crying out once again unto god that god would respond what we see is this david and this is is wisdom david wants god's activity god's presence in his life so many times we do things that that if we're honest we don't want god uh walking around us being there because we would be ashamed so david isn't doing such things david is saying god i want you at the center of my existence what i'm thinking what i'm saying what i'm doing everything god i'm bringing before you so once more from the ends of the earth unto you i will call and then we have something that gives us a clue because what is said here about david's heart he says my heart when it and i believe many bibles will say overwhelmed it's a word of of suffering a word of pain or sorrow some something that's not pleasing something that is not right and david says when my heart is not right now we have a very interesting expression in hebrew the phrase lev nachon usually in the scripture that's translated as a heart which has been established we can think of it as a heart that that has been repaired made appropriate by god but the phrase literally laid nahon can mean a correct heart and that's what david is saying his heart in its current condition is incorrect he needs god to do something to change his heart meaning this david wants to see things differently there's two possibilities one is that david is requesting god 
change things in my life or God help me to see things differently meaning this you can be in a situation that you see it bad you see it's hampering you something that's being against you but but in the end God's using that just like like we see Joseph saying to his brothers at the end of the book of Genesis you meant it for evil God God meant it used it intended it for good we need to see God's vantage point his perspective so David is saying here when my heart is overwhelmed he says into a rock not just any rock but this word sewer is a word that that refers to not just a foundation but the foundation of one's life that same phrase is used in regard to the rock of salvation which is an a expression that relates to messiah to yeshua so he says here into the rock lead me and literally it means to that rock that is is exalted one that is is greater than me higher than me he says you lead me now what he's saying is this at these difficult times when i am overwhelmed by things i want your your provision of security so there's a rock this rock is higher than me lead me now this is an idiom for god protect me god position me out of out of danger and we see this again if we keep reading look at verse 4 at least verse 4 in the hebrew text where it says for you have been and the word here machse li a a shelter a refuge now it's interesting because this word means just that a place of safety a a refuge but this word can also in its verbal form and we'll see this later on can have a degree of trusting so it's a place that is trustworthy you get there and you feel assured that you're safe and the the implication is this god i need to get to that rock that means messiah and it's only when i'm in messiah remember that expression in messiah here in the rock it's speaking about in a covenantal relationship that foundation and the message is simple it is only in a covenantal relationship that you're going to find that that security that that peace knowing that no matter what's going on around you no matter how in a natural sense that your heart is overwhelmed with god god's going to lead you to that place of shelter so he says you have been a refuge for me and a strong tower a strong tower before my my enemies literally it says from before enemies but the implication is david's enemies and david did have enemies why he was committed to the things of god when you begin to walk righteously in this world you will immediately find the world doesn't like you the world doesn't agree with you the world's going to be against you you are going to have troubles but realize this these troubles 
All they do is this. They give you an opportunity to testify, to bear witness of your faith, knowing it doesn't matter what the enemy is. God, you're going to get me through this. I'm going to come through that other side. There is going to be, for me, a looking back and seeing your faithfulness. And others are going to see my confidence in you. So it's an opportunity to testify. It's also a time to praise God, worship Him. Don't let the difficulty in your life, those, those opponents, that opposition, those hardships, what's going on around you that's not God's best for you, don't let that stop you from worshiping God. A great example of faithfulness is worshiping God when through human eyes, we don't see any reason based upon what's going on around us to give thanks to God. Things may be very difficult. Give thanks to God. Why? God's going to bring a change. If not today, tomorrow, if not tomorrow, next week, but that change is coming. There is a coming victory. What does the scripture say? He who endures to the end will be saved. Now, that is not saying that our salvation is dependent upon us persevering. Some teach that, and it's wrong. They have a theological doctrine, the perseverance of the saints, and that kind of manifests, they say, your, your eternal security. If you don't persevere, you must not be saved. Heresy. What the Word of God is teaching us in that expression, those who endure or persevere to the end will be saved, it's simply saying that at the end, victory is coming. It is a term of encouragement. Don't give up. Don't become despondent. Don't throw in the towel. Don't, don't surrender over to the enemy. Because if you persevere, if you make it to the end, there's going to be a great time of victory. We serve a rock that is high. We serve a God that is a strong tower. And he will be that refuge for us in difficult times. Next verse, verse 5. He says here, David is speaking, I will dwell in your tent always. Now, the word here is olamin. And it simply means forever and ever and ever. For all time. Now, this word tent, one of the ways that we need to understand it is intimacy when someone would invite you in in the ancient times into their tent it was different a tent's not a large place and therefore when someone would invite you into their tent they're bringing you into a very small quarters of where you live where you sleep where you exist in a very private way so it's not like entertaining today in someone's home and such. And so David is saying, I will dwell, and this implies a desire. We could understand it in the sense of, God, I desire to dwell in your tent forever, meaning this. God, what motivates me? What I am seeking in my life is intimacy with you. That's what is at the forefront of my desire of my objectives to be intimate to be close to be in your presence always and then the second part of the verse reveals to us how we can experience that 
And again, if you're not familiar with the Jewish backgrounds and how words are used, the Hebrew words throughout the text, the scripture, you're going to miss out because it says, I will trust. This can mean I will take shelter, that same word that we talked about earlier. I will trust in the secret place, the hidden place of your wings, O Lord. Now, the term here, kanfecha, kanfecha is a word that speaks of wings. And it's used for a corner of a garment as well. And we all know about the titsit, that prayer shawl, and the tassels at the end of it. And what the Word of God is saying is this. If you want shelter, if you want protection, if you're trusting in God, how do you communicate that to God? Just saying, God, I trust you. No. God looks to actions. And this term, confecha, your wings, refers to the commandments of God. Because on that four-corner garment, we find the tassels which speak. Just look sometime at Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 41. We have that same vocabulary. And it speaks about the corner of the garment. It is a requirement to put those tassels called titsit. And they, when we look at them, they convey to us the commandments of God. So whenever the scripture says, and it says it frequently, when it says about taking shelter under your wings, O God, it's talking about finding shelter, God's assistance, God's protection, where? In doing the commandments. You want God's help. You want God's provision. You want God's safety then walk in obedience to his word. Now, this is what's so problematic to me. If you say oftentimes to a group of believers, walk in obedience to his word, no problem. You say walk in obedience to his commandments, they scream legalism. Ridiculous. His word and his commandments speak to the same thing. And it's when we submit ourselves to God's instructions here again. You say, submit yourself to the instructions of God, no problem. Submit yourself to God's commandments, legalism, people will scream. No. The commandments of God are good. The commandments of God bring us into intimacy. As I've shared many times, the word for commandment in the scripture, mitzvah. It is derived from a word that speaks about togetherness, unity. For example, if we talk about a tzevet, a tzevet is a, a group of people who are working together. We use that for a staff, like at a business. Here's our staff. Here's our team of, of workers. They all work together. That's important, this term, together. They work in unity. Each one has their roles, what they do, and it's only when they all work together that the product, the outcome, is going to be good. So if we want a good outcome, we need to be together with God the way that we show our desire to be intimate, together, unified with God in His presence is by performing His commandments. Not because we want to be saved, but because we are saved. So obedience 
is a, a strong tool in, in our life, a tool that will accomplish much. So he says here, I will trust in the hidden places of your wings, Selah, verse, verse 6. For you, O God, you have heard my vows. Now, why is this term vows mentioned here? Because David is making a pledge. What pledge? What we just talked about. To walk in obedience to the commandments of God. Now, many times people say, God seems distant. I don't experience God in my life like I think I should. And why is that? Well, usually when God seems distant, it's because you are distant from obeying His Word. You're not implementing His commands into your life. The commandments of God, they are good. They give us, when we do them, they give us a new perspective. They, they give us access to His power. They give us a testimony which is honoring to God. So His commandments are good and therefore David says, for you, O God, you have heard my vows, meaning this, God, you know I'm committed to you. You know what I'm pledging to do. And then he says, based upon that, notice the outcome. Notice the confidence that David has. What does he say at the end of verse 6? Natanta, you will shut your a shemecha, which means you have given, meaning I want to pay my vows, I want to obey you, and the outcome that, that you have given. And this next word, Yerusha, is a word of inheritance. You have, have, have given the inheritance of those who fear your name. Now, being one who fears the name of God, meaning this, fear priority. When you fear God, you're saying, God, I'm making you the priority of my life. And those who make God the priority of their life, here it says, those who fear your name. Name is synonymous with character that makes the character of God their priority, meaning this. I want to be like God. I want to make the decisions that are godly decisions. I want to do the things that are godly things to do. That's what it means about walking in the fear of the Lord. That we want to give testimony in our life that we have the character of God. God is good. We want to be good. God is holy. We want to be holy. God is righteous. We want to be righteous. This is what David is saying. Now look at verse 7. He says here, Yamim. This is days. Sometimes days implies simply a time. It says days. Unto the days of the king you will add. Now let's translate this maybe in a better, more understandable way in English rather than following the word order of the Hebrew text. We could say you will add days, meaning you will add time to the time of the king meaning that there's going to be additional time. And this is simply an idiom of long life. Long life implies God's blessing. Now, does that mean that everyone that lives to an old age, God is blessing? No. There are oftentimes God lets a very 
very unfaithful person live a long time, many years, giving them an opportunity to repent. But for one who is, is faithful, one who is walking with God, it is glorious that they continue long. Why? They have all these obedient acts, all these acts of testifying before others, and they're going to receive a great reward for that. So this is what it's speaking about in verse 7 where it says, you will add days, meaning you will give additional time concerning the days of the king, this allotment that he has. And his years, like generation and generation, meaning that he's going to remain from one generation to another. Now, many people wrongly assume a generation. I was teaching a group, this was a few years ago, and we came across, th- across this term, door, for generation. And I asked, how many years is a generation? And for some reason, everyone said 40. We don't see that in the scripture. A generation is much shorter than that. A generation meaning when one group of people begin to have children. That's in the 20s usually. So a generation is like 20, 25 years in that period of time. And what it's saying is the king would go through multiple generations. He would be there for his own generation, his kids' generation, his grandkids' generation. He would have a degree of endurance. And that, that long time is synonymous with, with blessing. Now look at verse 8. Yeshev Olam. He will sit. Now, underneath, I have here in my text the Hebrew. But underneath, I have explanations in Hebrew that the author of this book wrote in regard to Sefer Tehilim. I'm holding here the book of Psalms in Hebrew, but with additional Hebrew explanations underneath. And it's interesting because the term Yeshev simply means he will sit. But, but underneath we have the word Yitkayem, which means he will endure, he will exist, meaning there's a longevity. And this is what it says. He will sit Olam. Olam means forever. He is going to have longevity. He's going to endure. His existence is not going to be to be short. But here it says, he will sit forever before God. Why? Well, again, if you look at the rabbinical commentators, they will say this dwelling with God forever is a, a outcome, a result of being in a covenantal relationship with him. So this one has such a relationship. And then we read how chesed ve'emet, that is grace and truth, two wonderful words. Grace and truth. And then we have the term man, which means will prepare. This is what most of the scholars are saying. Some say it has to do with grace and, and truth. He will invite. They are invited into his life. They characterize his life. Two things, grace and truth. And because he has invited them into his life, 
he has prepared his life based upon these two things what does it say they will guard him they will keep him they will have a a sustaining effect in his life this one's life so grace the grace of god and the truth of god and the order is important chesed vayamet why is that important we receive the grace of god and it's through being a recipient of god's grace that we're going to manifest truth so when grace and truth characterize our life there's going to be an enduring there's going to be a preserving effect upon us and now let's look at the last verse verse 9 in the hebrew text ken which means yes yes i will sing unto your name forever now this term for singing probably your bible may say praise which is okay it literally is singing praises so he says thus i will praise your name forever meaning yes this is what interests me praising god and then he says for my payment of my vows daily yom yom which means i'm praising god why for the fact that every day i pay my vows now what is this saying very simply david is saying god i have made a commitment to you that daily i want to do your will i want to walk in obedience to your purposes this is my desire this is what i'm pledging to you and david is praising god that day in day out this expression yom yom means daily that he's able to fulfill that he's able to pay his vows meaning this commitment i've made to you daily i'm i'm living it out i'm doing it now let me conclude with this what we see is that prayer makes us effective in doing god's will keeping his word so the question is this those who really are committed to god those who want to do god's will daily they are going to make prayer a priority of their life daily those who don't well we're just fooling ourselves if we put prayer as simply an afterthought something that we do occasionally something that we do ritualistically meaning okay before i go to bed i say a minute or two of prayer and this is by the subtotal of my prayer life if that totals your prayer life you're not walking truly with a commitment to serve god now these words can be sobering these words can be humbling but don't let them go to waste make a change be committed to prayer you will never be in the kingdom of god and say you know what i prayed too much did not yeshua himself several times in the scripture go off by himself and pray the entire night and if he did thus how much more so that we should do well in with that until next time shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, 
please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.